Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word of God I'd like to study with you on this Pentecost Sunday is the reading from 1 Corinthians as printed out in the worship folder so that you can follow along. Do you think that you have spiritual gifts to honor God by serving his people? I pray that some of you would answer yes, but my experience teaches me that most say, well, no, not me. And I kind of understand why we think that. I still remember when I was a kid, probably because it's still true, that I, I just, I've always had this desire to be really good at something. And I was pretty good at school, but I know that didn't seem to count. I mean, I wanted to be good at something important like football or basketball or, or baseball where people would say, wow, you're great. And nobody really cared about math. Even as a pastor, it's, it's easy to look around and say, well, I, you know, I, I just wish that I could lead like that guy over there. Or I, I wish that our church would explode with growth like that one over there. It's easy to look around and see gifts in others, but sometimes when you look in the mirror, you think, well, not me. But today the Apostle Paul reminds us that's not true. Not only did Jesus give the Holy Spirit in a miraculous fashion to the disciples on the first Pentecost, he continues to pour out the Holy Spirit on his people today, and not just on some. I I want you to leave today knowing that the Spirit gives gifts to all, to each, to you, so that you can honor God by serving his people. Paul reminds us in the first few verses of our reading today that the most important gift the Holy Spirit could ever give anyone is the gift of saving faith. And I say saving faith to distinguish from the gift of faith that Paul will mention a a little bit later. Saving faith is simply knowing and trusting in Jesus as your Savior. As the one who lived a perfect life for you, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and promises that because of his life and death, your sins are all forgiven and eternal life is already yours. If if you remember a time in your life when you did not have saving faith, I'd be very interested to hear your story. Most of us, we don't remember that. The Corinthians did. Most of the Corinthians were pagans, as Paul calls them, or or unbelievers, until Paul showed up on his missionary journey and introduced them to Jesus. Now, the reality is we were all born as pagans or unbelievers. It's just that most of us don't remember it, and yet the reality is still just as true. We were born as pagan or unbelievers because we were born without the Spirit of God. And Paul emphasizes, without the Spirit, no one can say, Jesus is Lord. No one can believe in Jesus on their own. A lot of Christian churches still teach that. They teach that Jesus did everything, but all you have to do is is believe. Choose Jesus. Invite Jesus into your heart. But we can't do that. 
without the Spirit. When we were pagans or unbelievers, even if we don't remember it, we cursed God. That's what the sinful nature does. The sinful nature is hostile to God, hates God, wants nothing to do with God. But then in complete grace, as nothing but a gift, God sent the Holy Spirit, likely through baptism, to wash away your sin, to drown that sinful nature in you and raise up a new person that now believes in Jesus as Savior and confesses Jesus is Lord. We still don't want to take that for granted. Because even after the Spirit gives us saving faith, we are still tempted by the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh to be led away and influenced to mute idols. I find it interesting that Paul calls the idols mute. They're all mute because idols are nothing but false gods. You and I may not be tempted to bow down to a statue that we call God, but, but we're constantly tempted to put the people and things of this world before God. But no one else is God. There's only one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we ask God to continue sending the Spirit through the gospel, baptism, communion, the Word, to preserve and strengthen our saving faith so that we have it for eternity. But God is so generous, He doesn't stop there. Paul reminds us that after the Spirit gives us saving faith, he also wants to pour out on us these many other spiritual gifts. Now, before we look at the list, take a look at verses 4, 5, and 6, and I want you to note the reference to the Trinity. Paul said there are different kinds of gifts, but the Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, that's Jesus, Different kinds of working or energy or power, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God, the Father, at work. Even though the Holy Spirit gets credit for our spiritual gifts and our faith and godly living, the Trinity is always working together. It's, it's the Spirit who gives the gifts, but we use them in service to the Lord, and the power behind both come from God the Father. But now let's take a look at the gifts. We don't have time to look at every single one of them. We'll do that in Bible study today. But I want you to just notice the three different groups of gifts that Paul mentions. The first, verse 8, a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge. The gift of reading Scripture, understanding the truths that God reveals, and then wisdom to apply them to life. You might think, well, I don't have that gift. That's why I come to Bible study, Pastor. And it's true that there are some who have these gifts to a greater degree. I still, to this day, stand in awe of my college and seminary professors, men who had these gifts to such a great degree that they were asked to teach them, even to future pastors and teachers. But Paul reminded us in the first chapter of Corinthians that when you were an unbeliever, all of God's word was foolishness to you. It still is foolishness to our sinful nature. It doesn't make any sense that there's one Father, one Son, one Spirit that equals one God. It doesn't make any sense that Jesus is one person and yet he's 100% God and 100% human. It doesn't make any sense that a Jewish man hung on a piece of wood 2,000 years ago and somehow that forgives the sins of all people of all time. It doesn't make any sense that he rose from the dead 
or even that heaven and hell exist because we can't prove them. And yet, you know and believe all of those truths because the Spirit has given you the gift of knowledge and understanding. Granted, it might take some work, but I also am confident that the Spirit has given you the gift to take those truths and apply them to your life. The second set of gifts that Paul mentions are what I would call gifts of service. He, he talks about faith again, perhaps not just I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I completely and inherently trust all of God's promises, even when it looks impossible. For example, when the disciples were on the boat and the storm arose and they were worried that they were going to drown, well, they didn't lose their saving faith in Christ, but uh, they didn't trust that he was going to take care of them at that moment either. Someone with the gift of faith can be one of the greatest encouragements that you could ever find in your life. Paul mentions gifts of healing and miraculous powers. We, we maybe don't see those gifts as often today as we read about in Scripture when Jesus did miracles and Peter and John healed a crippled man or Paul raised a young man from the dead after he fell out of a window and died. And yet, God has given us all some ability to help others in their physical needs. Simply gifts of service. And then finally, the last grouping prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, interpreting different kinds of tongues or languages. Those are all about proclaiming Scripture. And again, you might say, oh, pastor, there you're wrong. I definitely do not have the ability to preach or teach God's word. And, and maybe you do and you don't realize it. Or maybe you don't in a public manner. But you might be really good at teaching somebody about Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. But I'll tell you the only thing that you can do that nobody else can do. And that's give witness to how God has worked in your life. That's your story. I could maybe try to retell it, but it still would never be as powerful and effective as when you said, well, here's what happened to me and here's how God's promises comforted me. Here's how God worked through that trial in my life to bring about this blessing. That's a gift that only you have. Now, maybe I've convinced you that you actually do have some of these gifts, or maybe you're still not sure. Understand, this isn't the only list of gifts. In Romans 12, Paul mentions a whole other kind of list where he talks about serving and generosity and hospitality and leadership. And even if you looked at those lists, that's still not all of the gifts. Here's what God's promised. He has promised that he has given you some spiritual gifts. Take a closer look at verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Paul repeats himself in verse 11. All of these different gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one. Jesus didn't promise the Holy Spirit only to his original disciples. He didn't give the Holy Spirit only to pastors and teachers or staff ministers, not even just to the leaders of the church or a select few. No, to each one. 
God has promised to send the Holy Spirit to each and every one of you, and He has therefore given you likely not just one or two spiritual gifts, but many because He's just that generous. And why? Well, the rest of verse 7 says, for the common good. What makes a gift a spiritual gift? It's not always spiritual in nature like studying or proclaiming Scripture. Really, any of your gifts can be spiritual gifts if you simply use them to give glory to God and to serve others. That's just not what our sinful nature usually wants to do. When I was a little kid, I, I probably didn't really just want to be good at something. I, I wanted people to praise me and to tell me how great I was. Even to this day, we can do things for other people, but we might honestly want to help them. But what's even more important is that they acknowledge us and and they make us feel good by telling us how great we are. It it tends to be self-glorification or selfish purposes. I, I worry about that too when we teach our kids. Why is it so important that our kids go to school? It's not to get a job and earn money. I know we need to do that. But school is an opportunity for our children to discover their gifts and ask, how can I use the gifts that God has given me? How can I learn more gifts and then put them to use in God's kingdom, trusting that God will provide when I do that? Certainly, we use our gifts, talents, and abilities in our work. But how can we use them to glorify God for the good of others? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Jesus came to this earth so that he could serve us. He did that on the one hand by using his power as God whenever he he healed somebody or provided food or cast a demon out or even raised the, the dead. Did you ever notice that whenever Jesus used his power, it was always for someone else's benefit and never for his own? In fact, when Jesus could have used his power for his own benefit, he didn't. He allowed Judas to betray him and the soldiers to arrest him and and the soldiers to nail him to the cross so that he could save you. He, He exerted his power again Easter Sunday morning when he rose from the dead and now he promises to use all of his power as he rules all things for your good. But Jesus always used his power for you to the glory of God. And so let me encourage you to discover your gifts. Maybe you will find them in this list or in Romans 12. You can go home and read that later. Maybe you can simply look at the things you like doing and you're good at doing. You you likely have some skills that you enjoy putting to use. And and maybe you are putting them to use and you just haven't considered, how could I use those same gifts for the glory of God? Maybe you need to try something new and find out that, oh, Actually, I, I like doing that. And, and maybe you're not going to be good at it right away because we're usually not good at things right away, but you can learn. And would you be willing to ask someone else? Just ask when you go home today, someone that lives in your house or find a friend or a family member or a fellow church member and, and ask them, what do you think I'm good at? And when they tell you, don't discard it. Take them at their word and, and consider that. And then find a way to put your gifts to use. There's really two different ways to do that. On the one hand, you can use them in what we call the public ministry on behalf of the church. 
By the way, do you know it's never too late to consider becoming a pastor or a teacher? It's a little odd for us in America. We think you have to do that right after school. But across the world, there are, are mission fields where men and women who have had a career for 20 or 30 years, they, they change course. So maybe that's a way you can serve. And if not, maybe you can serve on a committee here at church. Maybe you can participate in an event, something as simple as walking in the Sovereign States Day Parade or helping uh, cook brats for the church picnic or, or coming out to National Night Out and just mingling with the crowd. Maybe, you know, some of the people I appreciate most in the church, uh, and it doesn't have to be ladies, but it always is, the ladies who serve the funeral lunches, those are so good. And they serve hundreds of people throughout the year, maybe thousands. Not everybody can serve in the public ministry on behalf of the church. So how might you simply serve in your daily life? How might you take your abilities to fix something and, and just help a neighbor fix something? How, how might you simply take your time and pay attention to someone who's hurting or lonely or, or just needing someone to listen? How might you take your assets? You're going to hear an invitation after church to go to Grilled Cheese Day because this year, our own members, Tom and Sue Olson, Andy and Aaron Baim, they're going to invite you to the Olson Farms in Larson for Grilled Cheese Day, which doesn't sound like a spiritual gift until you realize that their volunteers are going to wear shirts with a Bible passage on it. And they've asked the church to sponsor a table where we can hand out Bible passages with reference to dairy. And there's many more than you might think. They're simply taking something they already have and using it to serve God. Do you think that you have any spiritual gifts where you could do the same? I pray that you are no longer uninformed about such gifts, but today you leave thanking God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who has given you the most important gift he could ever give, the gift of saving faith. Ask the Spirit to continue to preserve and strengthen your faith through the gospel. But then ask the Spirit to help you realize what other gifts you have and how you might use them, whether that's in direct service to the church or simply in your private life. Because whenever you use the gifts that God has given you, you not only bring glory to God, Father, Son, and Spirit, but you thank the Spirit, the same Spirit who gives you all of your gifts. Amen.